Spirit of the living God revealed through the Apostle John tells us that there is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Good to see you. Glad you're here today. And uh, it is okay to be seated. You, you, you knew that? You can tell I'm working with a sharp crew this morning. Yay! I agree. Something to celebrate. Something to celebrate. Um, I want to say this to everyone. Uh, obviously, those of you who are regulars here realize either Joe forgot he wasn't supposed to come up yet or this was actually planned. Um, and it's the latter this time. It, sometimes it happens the other way, but uh, this, we, we are doing things a little, little different this morning. Um, and I, I want to say to those of you joining us uh, online right now, um, we are going to share in the Lord's table in a little bit. Um, and so if you're home, you may want to go get some elements so that you can feel like you're fully participating. I'm going to invite those of you who are in the, in the room today to um, come to the table at any time during the message, starting now. And to, here's what I'd like to have happen. I'd like, if you're kind of the leader of your household, and if you're the only person here from your household, I dub thee the leader. Uh, of your household. Okay, you're the leader of the household. So um, I want the leader of the household to come and get enough uh, number of elements for their household. Um, and so here's what I'm going to do just to show you that I mean it, that we, it can happen at any moment. I'm going to ask Guy Smith to lead our procession to just come down, gather elements for him and his household. Some of you that want to come now can come. I'll give you know an invitation, maybe down the road again for you to come if you want to. But if you're going to participate in communion today, just just come. Just just come and get get some for your house. Some of you are saying, well, I want, I want to wait till the crowd dissipates. That's cool. Come at any time. Just come at any time during the message. It, it will not disrupt me. Okay, will not disrupt me. Now, those of you that are coming... Uh, after you get here, you're going to have to run back, or maybe somebody from your family will go ahead and do this, and that is get a Bible out, turn your Bible on, whatever you do with your Bible these days, and I want you to, um, to get ready because we're going to start in 1 Corinthians, but then we're going to jump back to Malachi, and then we're going to jump back to 1 Corinthians, okay? So just, just know that. So um, I want to open the Lord's Word today um, in 1 Corinthians, and it's okay to continue moving. You're not disrespecting the Word of the Lord. Just listen to it. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying this cup is now the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. Now, this is not going to come up on the screen. If you've got your Bibles open, you'll see it. Uh, verses 29 and 30 say this. For anyone who eats and drinks without 
discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Pray with me. Lord, we come this morning. We're going to come to your table, Lord. And we want to receive all that you have for us at your table. And we want to bring ourselves fully to your table. So Holy Spirit, I ask you now, as we think through your word, as we, we walk through it, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way, that you would be unhindered in this place today to speak to us, to convict us, to convince us, to call us out of what we're in into a new frame of life with you. All of us, God. We need you. Help us, we pray, to discern your body. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, one of the things that uh, I... I heard a good while back, it was a little story about a 12-year-old boy, and he got really, he came in, running into the house where his dad was in the den, kind of kicked back, relaxing, and his son came running into the house, dad, I dunked, I dunked the basketball, and his dad kind of looked at him like, uh, I don't know that I'm buying that, but, he, but the kid continued on, dad, you got to come see, you got to come with me out to, to see this, and so dad gets up a little begrudgingly, but as he's kind of walking out the house, um, he's, he starts to get puffed up with a little bit of pride. If my 12-year-old can actually dunk a basketball, cha-ching, you know, he, he started forecasting college scholarships, all those kind of things, you know, and um, so he, he, he makes his way out the door. Well, his son has started the dribble, and he is dribbling down the, the driveway, and he comes to the basket and slams it through the hoop. And his dad goes, for just a second, he's like, oh my gosh. But after the next second, he realizes his son has lowered the standard. He's dropped the goal from the standard of 10 foot to somewhere between six and a half, seven foot. And perfect form, you know, and so like a good dad, his dad celebrates his good dunking form. But then, as any good dad would also have to do, he has to go to his son and say, you know what? Beautiful form, but you got to raise the standard. You got to raise the standard. We're going to come to the Lord's table today. And as we do, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever work he needs to do in you. Uh, just, just begin, uh, even in these moments, to just say, God, have your way in me. Speak whatever you need to speak in me or over me. Um, because I, I, I want us to think about the Lord's table throughout the whole counsel of God. Because the Lord's table doesn't just only show up in, in the New Testament. The Lord's table is spoken of in the Old Testament. In fact, the Lord's table is spoken of in the last book of the Old Testament, just before God goes silent for 400 years. 
in the book of Malachi. So if you want to turn to Malachi, last book in the Old Testament, we're going to go to Malachi chapter 1. And here's, here's kind of the context. God's people have begun lowering their standard for worship. And they're, they're still thinking, yeah, we're slam dunking it. We got it going on in worship. But God has something against their worship for lowering the standard. And God's going to speak that through, through the prophet Malachi. So if, if you have your Bibles and you have them open to Malachi, we're going to be in chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 6. And then we'll jump down. It says this. Verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest? So he's talking primarily to the priest of Israel. And then he goes on, he says, you priest who despise my name. And then God kind of tells them what they're thinking. But you say, how have we despised your name? God says, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? And God says, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. Drop down to verse 11. God's going to tell us something about himself. God says, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God is saying, I'm a great king. I'm a great God. There's coming a day when all over this planet, incense is going to be burned to my name. People are going to worship me. God says, that day is coming. This is who I am. And then he says in verse 12, but you profane it. He's talking about his name. You profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a a weariness this is, and you snort at it. He's talking about the Lord's table, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as an offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord. Now, one of the things that I I want you to see is here in in the Old Testament, God is declaring his greatness. He's declaring who he is. And I've told you this before, so you got to remember it. What's the biggest difference between you and God? God doesn't think he's you. That's the biggest difference. Some of you will get that later on tonight. And so when you get it, call and explain it to Billy Rogers, okay? Just do, do that. Um, if you would. The, God doesn't think he's you. He's a great king. He, he, he is, he's so incredible that one day all the nations of the earth are going to worship, burn incense to him. There's going to be this, this coming day of cosmic comprehension when the whole earth gets it. But up until that moment comes, God has established a covenant relationship with Israel. And he said, all of that blessing that will come one day is, is supposed to come through you. And he has been walking with the nation for thousands of years. And we get to this last book of the Old Testament, this last prophet, Malachi. And God begins to unpack complaining that's going on in the hearts of his people and complaints he has uh, against them. 
You know, here, here's kind of the thing that, that, that's going on. They're saying, we're coming to worship, but God's not blessing us. We're coming to do this, this thing, but what are we getting out of it? And so they're complaining. There's this spirit of grumbling that, that, that's going on. They're, they're thinking that, you know, I'm coming to worship, and I'm worshiping my socks off, man. I'm praising the Lord, raising my hands, dancing, hallelujah, and I, I get outside, and nothing's happening. God, God, where are you? You know, I'm giving you what you want. And God says, you are not. You are confused. You are deluded. If you think what you are bringing when you come to worship me is what I want from you. Old crippled up, lame, cancer-ridden lambs. That's basically what, what God was saying. And they, God says, you don't understand you know, you, you just don't understand. I'm a great king. I'm worthy of your worship. The whole earth is going to do it. And, and so the people say, what are we doing wrong? Well, what's, what's the problem? And God says, your problem is you come bringing leftovers. You just bring your life of leftovers to me. And God points out in verses 6 and 7 of Malachi chapter 1 kind of what the problem is. And here's, here's what I want to do. I want to give you what I'm calling a couple of table truths today out of God's word. Some table truths. Here's the first table truth. There is a Lord's table associated with the old covenant. We just read about it in Malachi. There's the, uh, the Lord's table shows up in the Old Testament. Definitely one in the New Testament. We're most familiar with that. But there's, there's the Lord's table that is back in, in the Old Testament. Back in verses 6 and 7. It says, but you say, how have we despised your name? And God says, by offering polluted food upon my altar. And then they say, but how have we polluted you? And God says, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. Now, the Lord's table back in Malachi's day was the altar. And the altar was that place where God's people had been instructed as an act of worship to bring their sacrifice. And this gets a little gory. You know, the old sacrificial system, they would bring a, a, a lamb and they would literally slit its throat and drain its blood and offer the meat as a sacrifice to the Lord. And here's what was going on. The priests were saying, have we got to do this whole dead animal thing again? Have we got to go in there and smell that burning flesh? Have we got to drain? The, this is messy. Why do we have to do it this way? Well, you know, they were just grumbling. And God says through the prophet, no, I know what you're thinking. I know what's in your heart. I know, I know what you're bringing when you show up to worship. And so you may wonder, why is God upset with their, what they're doing to his table, what they're doing at the altar? What's so special about the Lord's table in the Old Testament? Now, to, to really fully grab hold of that, we gotta, we got to do a little bit of a deep dive, okay? So we, we got to kind of take a deep dive into a little Old Testament theology, okay? You with me? Just, just, just for a little bit. Stay awake, okay? In the Old Testament, one of the major traits of God that permeates the Old Testament is, which basically means he is over and above all of creation that he created, that he is greater than the, the sum of all of his creation put together, 
Now, he's still intimately involved with it, but he is over and above it and, and, and outside of it. That's what it means to say that, that God is, is transcendent. Um, and part of the un, what, what's unique in his transcendence is something called his holiness, which has to do with that he is unique. He, he is different from everything else in his creation. All of, all of his creation, he is much different. He's distinct from all of that. And this is where the problem lies for us. Now, God created human beings in his image, and he loves us, and he wants to be in intimate relationship with us. But we have chosen sin. The Bible says all of us have. At some point in our lives, we've rejected God, and we have chosen to pursue sin. All of us have somewhere in our lives. Well, because God is holy, God cannot be present with sin. And so here's our problem. God wants to be with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to bless us. But sin blocks God's blessing into our lives. And so God had this covenant that he made with Abraham, and then he re renewed through Moses, and he said, I want to bless the whole world through, through this, this people known as the nation of Israel. But they got this sin problem, and so I've got to deal with this sin problem. And so what God comes up with as a way, to, as a part of his covenant to, to, to bring blessing, is God comes up with this substitutional, sacrificial system. It's a temporary solution only. And God institutes this, and it has to do with this offering, and it has to do with bringing a spotless offering, a pure offering, to this altar, to the table of the Lord that we see here in the, in the Old Testament. It's this substitutional, sacrificial system that made a way, that freed God up to bring blessing to his people so that he could live out his covenant. Our God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And so he will go to any length to keep his promises to his people. God said this back in Deuteronomy 29. He said, keep the words of this covenant and do them because covenant relationship, we have a part. He said, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper. See, God's goal in the covenant is your prosperity, your, your blessing. God, that's what covenant, that's what a covenant is. A covenant is an arrangement so that you might receive the blessing of God. That's what a covenant is. His covenant with Abraham, his covenant with Moses and God's people, the new covenant, all of those are arrangements that God created for the purpose of bringing his blessing. And so in order for the Old Testament covenant to have a pathway for blessing, God had to bring in this substitutional sacrificial system to temporarily deal with our, our sin problem. But here's what God is saying through Malachi. He's saying, you are despising that system. You are despising the table of the Lord. You, you, are, you, you don't see it, it, its value. They're, they're, you know, what's happening is, and they're complaining about it, you know, they're having plague after plague. These plagues are returning. Anybody feel like you kind of know what that's like? These plagues are returning. Their economy was in a constant state of turmoil. The family structure in their nation was being eroded and shredded. Can anybody say, <coughs> America? You, you know, it, it, I mean, it feels like we're living this stuff out. And God says, 
Friends, it's happening because you're cutting yourself off from the pathway of blessing. You're despising my table. You're despising it. And they develop this spirit of grumbling and complaining. And so God has to address this. He, he, he steps into this. And he's trying to tell them the thing that you should be most grateful for. This sacrificial system, this thing that is the pathway, the arrangement that I have made for my covenant blessing to come upon you. You are despising. You, are, you have lowered the standards. You're cutting yourself off from the blessing. And as you read through Malachi, you'll, you'll see there's a recurring theme of this word curse. And some people read it and they think, so God is cursing his people. God does not have to move in order for the curse to come upon his people when they have lowered the standard. When they have despised the Lord's table, they are cutting themselves off from his blessing, which feels like a curse. So God's not having to officially, I now curse you. God, it's just the natural consequences of when we despise the Lord's table, when we don't take it seriously, when we don't, when we don't see it for what it is. It's just a natural, natural occurrence. And so God is saying to the priest, I know what you're thinking, and I know that this is a nasty job, and I know that it smells bad, but you need to see. You need to see what this does for you. You need to understand that what happens on this altar, that there's this substitution that, that my wrath is poured out on this instead of on you. There's this great substitution, because if you could see it, man, you'd be turning cartwheels when you came to worship, baby. You'd be excited about doing this thing. You would get so jazzed up. It would be the greatest moment of your week when you come to do this. And God speaks this over his people through Malachi. And they don't get it. And so God withdraws his voice from his people for 400 years. 400 years. So go to the New Testament. And let's go ahead and jump over into 1 Corinthians. But instead of going all the way to chapter 11, let's, let's stop at chapter 10 first. Because I want you to see in a, a, another table truth that we see in the scriptures, and it's this. There's a better Lord's table in this better new covenant. Now, your Bible, our Bibles, are divided into two testaments which are really two covenants. That's, what, that's basically what it is. It's the division of, uh, of the two covenants, these two different arrangements that God has made to bless his people to overcome humanity's problem with sin. The old covenant was directly with the nation of Israel. The new covenant is through the church, those called out ones. Both covenants have a table. Both covenants have a table. And what we need to do, what I want us to do today is we can take some of the Old Testament principles and, and move them through New Testament understanding, New Testament revelation, so that we more fully understand what was going on then and we can see clearly how it applies today. Because here's what we need to see. The substitutionary sacrifice is in both covenants. The substitutionary sacrifice is at both tables. And we need to understand that when we come to the table of the Lord, because it is through that, that the blessings of God flow into the lives of his people today. 
Now, I'll go ahead and tell you this. You've heard it. You know it. I hope. The new covenant, far superior to the old. The new sacrifice, far superior to the old. Problem is still the same. We still have this sin problem that God has to deal with. And far too often, even when we have allowed God to deal with our sin problem, we still grumble and complain. We, we, just, we still do that. And, and sometimes we complain about worship. We despise the table of the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 16 and 17. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says this. The cup of blessing that we bless... Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a partition, a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. See, the apostle Paul here is writing about communion. And Paul says that when you break the bread, you share in Christ's body. And when you drink from the cup, you share in his blood. Friends, when you kind of get down to it, when you think about us, there's our body and there's blood, and that's us. It's, that's, that's our life in so many ways. And so what, what Paul is saying is when, when you share in the cup and you share in the bread, you are sharing in the life of Christ. That's what Paul is trying to, to communicate here. So here's, here's another table truth. When we share at the Lord's table what we are doing is we are sharing symbolically in Christ's life a reality that we have access to. But here in the New Testament, Paul shows us something else about a table. There's another table that Paul wants the, the, the church, the church at Corinth and the church today to know something about. If you'll drop down to verse 21. Now remember, a table is a place where you come for fellowship. It's a table where you gather around and, and, and you share. And what you're sharing is life. You're sharing in, in the life. So look at, look at what's going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. Paul writes this. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of what? Demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of what? Demons. Friends, Paul's saying, in this world in which we live, there are two tables. There is the table of the Lord, and there is this thing called the, the table of demons. Now remember, a table is the place where you share life, where you, where you fellowship. And don't forget, who is Paul writing this letter to? Christians. These are Christians in the church at Corinth. And Paul is saying, because you're going back and forth between tables, it's killing you. Because you're, you're, you're showing up Sunday and wanting to worship the Lord and be at the Lord's table, and then during the week you run back to the table of demons. And, it, and it's killing you. And, and here's what Paul was saying in the New Testament church at Corinth. There was demonic activity. That, that, that this was happening. There was this unseen power at work, this demonic force at work. Now, some of you are saying, he's talking about that in court. Paul talks about it consistently when he writes to churches. You go over to Ephesians chapter 6, and in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells that church, your battle is not against flesh and blood. 
It's against powers and principalities and dark spiritual forces. This wasn't just for the church at Corinth. This is for the, for the New Testament church. And here in Corinth, what Paul is saying to illustrate, he's saying, here's what's happening. These demonic forces are inviting you to their table. Now, why would you imagine demons would want to invite you to lunch? What we say earlier happens at the table. Ultimately, you share life. You share life. They want you to share in their life. So they're inviting you to, to their table is, is what Paul is saying. The Lord is inviting you to his table. The demons are inviting you to their table. And Paul is saying, you cannot live this life of going back and forth. It, it is destroying you. And Paul tells those at the church, the church that God loves, this is why you're facing so much difficulty. This is why you're, you're having so much division. Have you read the book, uh, the letter to Corinth? I mean, it was a church in incredible turmoil and division. Paul is writing and saying, here's part of the problem, baby. You're trying to sit at two tables. You cannot sit at two tables. There was such division. And, 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 and Paul goes on to, to write about what that, what that looks like. See, when you sit at the table of demons, what happens is your heart, the influence of their life draws you into fear. When you sit at the table of demons, their influence draws you into, into gossip. When you sit at the table with demons, it draws you into deception and into lust and into pride. You start sharing in their life. You remember back in 1 Corinthians 11, you know, verse 29 and 30 said, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, if you're, just, if you're just running back and forth at the table and you're not discerning what's going on, you're not letting the Holy Spirit speak into your life about the decisions that you're making. The Bible says there's going to, to come destruction. There's going to come this sorrow. And Paul describes it this way. He says, some of you are weak and some of you are ill and some are dead. Now, you can look at that only in the physical realm. But I think Paul is saying, some of you are emotionally weak and ill. Some of you are spiritually weak and ill. Some of you are relationally weak and ill. Some of you are sexually weak and ill. Some of you are financially weak and ill. Some of your marriages are, are, are weak and ill. And, and some, some are walking around and they look dead. You can't tell them apart from those who are, are dead to God. Because they're not alive in Christ. You can't tell the difference. They, they look the same. Is what Paul, I think, is saying here. It's, a, it's that kind of spiritual kind of walking in, in death. When God, Christ has given you life. And churches. The church at Corinth was one. You read in the, the opening chapters of the book of Revelation. You'll see this too. That churches were sick. Were weak and, and ill. And friends, that's why it is so important before we sit at the Lord's table for communion together that we let the Holy Spirit have a work in us. And we say, examine our hearts. Examine our lives. Examine my thoughts. 
Examine the words that come out of my mouth this week. Examine my tweets. Examine my posts. Examine me, oh God. Examine my pride. Examine my lack of submission to the whole counsel of God. Examine me. Discern. See, we, we've got to identify what table we're sitting at. And then when the Lord points it out, when the Holy Spirit points out where you may have pulled up to a table that is not the Lord's table, that you got some work to do there. You got to push back. You got to forsake that table in order to come to the Lord's table. You've got to reject that table. You've got to renounce that table. And you do that in prayer. You've got to shake that stuff off through prayer. And you may need to do this with the help of another brother or sister praying with you to help push back from that table, to reject and renounce whatever authority you have given to a demon's table. You've got to do that. You got, you got to do that work. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sin, here's another way of thinking about it. If you confess that you've been eating at the wrong table to a brother or sister, healing will come, is what the scripture says. If you will pray with another brother or sister, strength and power will come. The Bible teaches us this. So we may need to do this in the presence of another but you can do it here right now. You can just say to the Lord, Lord, I reject, I renounce that table that I've been sitting at. I turn away from that and I come, God, to your presence. That, that table has poisoned my relationships. That, that table has poisoned my soul and my, and my mind. And then you gotta come to the Lord's table. Now remember, Paul is writing to Christians. They, they're saved. Their eternity is secure. But they were weak, and they were ill, and some of them looked like they were dead. They had a relationship with God, but they had no intimacy. It made no difference in their lives. If you're married, you have a legal contract with your spouse, recognized by if it were married in this state, in the state of South Carolina. You have a legal contract with your spouse. And if you're married, you know this. You can be legally married, but not intimately connected. You can have this relationship on paper, but not be experiencing the deep, incredible intimacy God created for the confines of marriage. I'm not going into more detail. You know what I'm talking about. Okay? You can figure it out. So much of what Paul is writing about is about this. Christians in Paul's day at Corinth, they had the legal relationship with Jesus settled, but they were missing the intimacy, and it was killing them. They were despising that aspect of the relationship, being at the table of the Lord daily even coming regularly to the table of the Lord so that they could share in his life. See, you can be legally married and not sharing in the life of your spouse, not connected at that kind of 
soul, heart, body level. Friends, Paul is saying there is a better table than the table of demons. It's a table of intimacy and fellowship with the Lord. Jesus has a better table and it's in the new covenant. Remember, a covenant is God's arrangement for you to receive the blessing of God that he has planned to give you. God says, I know the plans I have for you. It's not for disaster. It's for a future and a hope. God has good plans for his people. Now, if you've got your Bibles open there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it'll be easy for you to turn a page to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want us to read this passage once again that we read earlier. Starting in verse 23. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke, and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's talking about the new covenant here. He's talking about God's pathway to the, to the table, to this substitutionary sacrificial system. When Jesus came and John the Baptist was describing Jesus to people, you can go read about this in, in, in John chapter 1. He says, look, or behold the Lamb of God, who does what? He takes away the sins of the world. It's this substitutionary sacrificial system being revealed uh, again. See, Jesus would make a permanent payment, not one that has to be renewed, not, not, a, not a, a recycling kind of thing. Jesus came to, to make this permanent payment. That's why one of the last things Jesus says when he dies on the cross, he's, he hollers one word. You remember what it is? Tetelestai. Say it. Tetelestai. You know what it means? It's finished. Paid in full. No more of that repetitive, sacrificial, bloody stuff. I'm paid it in full. It is done. It is a better sacrifice for a better covenant. Is what Jesus is communicating when he, he makes that cry. It, it, it's finished. Now, that, that is for anybody who will put their trust, believe in their heart that that is what Jesus did on the cross for them, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be set right with God for all eternity. And most everybody in here, I think, has, has made that decision. Maybe not everybody, but most everybody. If you haven't, you can today. You can say, Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross ultimately pays the penalty for my sin, that it was for all of humanity. God says he wants the whole world to be saved. So God, Jesus paid this penalty. And again, most of us here have received that. But if we're honest today, we would also have to say, yes, I've received it, but here's what I'm dealing with. That dadgum whisper. That constant invitation to come back to this other table. Always these demons are, are, are whispering. We've got to remember what Jesus did, but we've got to deal with that constant invitation. 
And here's the other part of what we need to get when we come to the table is that Jesus has dealt with the whispers that are coming. He, he, he's dealt with this because this is the other thing that Jesus did on the cross. He defeated the power and authority of Satan. He defeated on the cross any power or authority Satan and his demons had in your life. The Bible, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, again talking about this spiritual battle and warfare in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, he's talking about what God did when Jesus was on the cross. He said, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. Some translations say publicly shamed them by triumphing. What's that mean? Excuse my language, but he kicked their spiritual butts. By triumphing, over them in him. He triumphed over them in Jesus. The devil was defeated. And what that means is when the invitation from that table over there comes, you can say, no, you're defeated. I have authority over you. You do not have to go. You don't have to return back to that table ever again. Now, you are going to constantly get invitations. Those little whispers are going to come. Come sit at my table. Come over here to my table. It's going to be lots of fun. Those whispers are going to come. But you have been given authority. He's defeated. He has no power over you but what you might relinquish. And all you got to do is take it back at any given moment. And the way that you take it back is you renounce it. You reject it. And you come back to the table of our Lord. You come back knowing what has taken place there. Knowing that God has designed his table for communion. Union with him. Sharing in the life of God. Intimately. Being present with the Lord. It's called the Lord's table. The table, the table of the Lord. In verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, and when he, Jesus, had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, here's what Jesus does. Jesus starts this whole vision of his sacrifice by giving thanks. Now, what is, what is this the night before when he does this? This is the night before he is beaten betrayed, spit upon. This is the night before his death on that cross. And Jesus is saying, oh, thank you, God. Now, what's he thankful for? He's thankful for what it's going to do for us. He's thankful for what his sacrifice is going to mean for us. He's thankful that the breaking of his body is going to mean that we can belong in the body of Christ. That the shedding of his blood means that the covenant blessing is going to come to us when we sit intimately at, at, at his table because our sins are forgiven. Our enemy is defeated. We can come and we can sit at his table. But that's not all. There's more. Somebody said, there can't be more. There's more. Look at verse 26. 
Jesus said this, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do something. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Who are you proclaiming his death to? And what does that, what does that even mean? Well, it means you're preaching a sermon. Here's another table truth, if you would. When we come to the Lord's table, we each, when we come to the Lord's table, each of us are proclaiming the gospel. We're proclaiming the beauty of the gospel. Now, who are you proclaiming it to? Well, the first person that you're proclaiming it to is to yourself. You're saying to to myself, the gospel is for me. The table of Jesus that I'm at is for me. You're also proclaiming it to those who bear witness to your participation. You're proclaiming the gospel is for you too. The gospel is for everyone. But then this is the one that excites me the most. You're proclaiming, you're preaching the gospel to the gates of hell. And what you are saying when you sit at the Lord's table, you proclaim his death. What you're proclaiming is victory. I have victory in Jesus I have victory over any authority that Satan might have thought he had in my life. I have victory. And you proclaim it when you share at at the Lord's table. You renounce, you reject, you push back. David understood this. Even before the new covenant, David looking, looking forward knew this. 23rd Psalm, fifth verse. You prepare a table for me, bless you, in the presence of who? My enemies. Who's your enemy? Satan. He's your enemy. God prepares that table for you, even in the midst and presence of that enemy. See, God is inviting you to a table. It's a table that has freedom. It's a table that brings healing. It's a table that has power for your life through communion, through intimacy with God. When you share in his table, you share his life. And so that's what we do as we come to his table. Now, if, if you do not have elements for participation, I'm gonna invite you to come now and get those. If you need somebody to bring them to you, um, where, where, where's, um, where's Terry? Terry, come here for... Billy's getting them. I think Billy's getting them right now. now. Terry, I think Billy's got it. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, Billy, if you need somebody to bring you, Billy, will you grab that tray right there? If you need somebody to bring you elements, would you just raise your hand and Billy will try to help you. If you can come forward, come forward and do that now. But Billy, we got some kind of on that, that side over there where you were sitting. I know this is an unusual way to share communion like this, but we're, we're gonna do it. And here's what I want you to do. Get, get your elements out. I'm gonna help you, okay? I'm gonna help you. Take the tab and push it down and then let it flick up, okay? Just push it down and let it flick up. You can just flick it like that, okay? Trust me, it's, it'll be easier to open if you flick it down first. And then I want you to go ahead and, and pull back that first layer and just hold that little wafer in, in your hand for just a second because we're gonna, we're gonna share in this together. I'm gonna let Billy get back to to his seat. Thank you, Billy. The Bible tells us that Jesus 
on that night that he would be betrayed. He took bread and he gave thanks. Remember why he gave thanks? The Bible says he broke it and he said, this is my body. It is for you so you could belong. Take and eat all of it. then the Bible tells us that after the meal Jesus took the cup and he said this is my blood it's given for the remission of sin which means it's given so that the blessing of God can come it's a new covenant for you he said drink all of it and remember him Terry, I am going to ask you to come now. And I think the microphone's right there, brother. Terry, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to come and just lead us in a prayer, giving thanks for the sacrifice and the victory that we have in Jesus, brother. Please join me as we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you have given us in this life. Thank you for defeating Satan so that we can have a future, a future with you. We can enjoy the life you have given us. We can give our lives back to you in service. Thank you that we don't have to worry about all these short-term problems that come in our lives. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your peace. Lord, we look to your awesomeness, your, your unbelievable strength, knowledge. How can an awesome God like you love a sinner like me? Lord, I don't understand it, but I accept your love and I submit my life to you continually. But Lord, I am weak. Strengthen me and use me for your kingdom's work. Guide me in all that I say and do. In your heavenly name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Terry. Here's what I would like for you to engage in now. I want you to somehow allow your heart and mind to engage in the worship of our Lord. Worshiping the one who sacrificed so that you could have life. Worship the Lord who wants to share his life with you in the here and now. Worship the Lord who has given you victory over sin and death and Satan. So I'm going to ask you to stand and worship at the Lord's table together now.
Come back to 
Jesus, yours is the only name that really matters. It's the only name given among men under heaven by which we are saved. It is the name that commands presence and power. It is the name that commands that we give everything we have to you. God, and as we sing this last song, remind us who we are in you. Not who we are in ourselves, not who we are by our own power, but who we are because of your sacrifice, because of the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled, who we have become. Your sacrifice has gained us everything. Everything that we could not achieve on our own is through you. We are not defined by our pasts. We are not defined by the things that have happened to us. We are defined by you and you alone. It is through your blood and your body that we are more than conquerors, that we are seated, that we are heirs with Christ. Remind us of that this morning. We are more than the choices that we have made. We are exactly who you have said we are. And that is what we carry with us.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you know where that place in his house for you is? Later on today, go to Revelation chapter 19. Because in Revelation chapter 19, you find out about one more table. The Spirit of the living God revealed through the Apostle John tells us that there is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all who are in Christ will be gathered together at that table for all eternity, for communion, for intimacy with God. Friends, we can experience in the here and now. We can commune with him at the table every moment of every day because of Jesus. So sit at the table. Commune with your Father. Experience the love of God through Jesus. And then when you get up from the table, go change the world. God bless you. Hope to see you next week.